Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. Hello, dear family. How are you? I pray that you're well. It's so, so good to be with you. This is Monday of Passion Week. Many of you, I even uh, some of the women coming to us, have never experienced Passion Tide, Passion Week. They've experienced Holy Week uh, beginning next uh, Sunday. <clears throat> with Palm Sunday, but not Passion Tide. There's two weeks to Passion Tide, this week and next week, which is Holy Week. Um, and it's it's just magnificent. I've said before, every time we look deeper into, we've celebrated this for some years now, but every time we look deeper into the treasure, the utter, utter treasure of the church that so much has been deleted We've been robbed of it. So much have been has been let go. Um, it's just, uh, I, I think it's just a tragedy. So um, I want to read you from Dom Prosper Garanger. He is the restorer of the Benedictine um, um, Order to France, the restorer of Gregorian chant uh, in the 1800s. Just magnificent. And he has the 18, no, 15 volume a liturgical year, <clears throat> and this is one of the volumes. It is for uh, Passion Tide, the history of Passion Tide and Holy Week. And I read this um, since it began Sunday. I read this on uh, Saturday night to our sisters, and they were amazed at what used to be. Uh, it, it's just so amazing it's as beautiful as it is surprising that this is the way the world once acted and i'll begin after having proposed the 40 days of fast um the 40 days fast of jesus in the desert to the meditation of the faithful during the first four weeks of lent the holy church gives the two weeks which still remain that began yesterday which still remain before easter to the commemoration of the Passion. She, the Church, would not have her children come to that great day of the immolation of the Lamb without having prepared for it by compassionating with Him in the sufferings He endured in their stead. The most ancient sacramentaries and antiphonaries of the several churches attest by the prayers, the lessons, and the whole liturgy of these two weeks, that the passion of our Lord is now the one sole thought of the Christian world. Now, Dom Garanger wrote this, excuse me, 300 years ago in the 1800s, but he's speaking of the whole history of the church. Can you imagine um, that the, 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 um, the passion of our Lord um, was the one thought of the Christian world. Isn't that, um, it, it's just an amazing thing. It, it's hardly the thought of Christians today. Even Catholics already um, 
let me just see, um, during Passion Week, which is this week, a saint's feast, if it occur, will be kept, but Passion Sunday, between Passion and Palm Sunday, uh, no, but Passion Sunday admits no feast, not to the Sunday, because yesterday was March 21st, which would normally be the feast day of St. Benedict commemorating his death, and we are Benedictines, so for us it's a first-class feast, but we're celebrating it today instead of yesterday, because nothing is admitted on Passion Sunday, but Passion Sunday. However solemn it may be, however solemn the feast may be, Passion Sunday comes first. And even on those which are kept during the days intervening between Passion and Palm Sunday, there is always made a commemoration of the Passion, and the holy images are not allowed to be uncovered. Um, Most of the church covers their holy images in preparation for Holy Week, but the Latin churches, the traditional churches, will have covered them as of yesterday. And we cover all in our priory um, of our Lord, our Lady, everything that reminds us of Him. Um, We cover it all so that we experience um, what it is to live without our Savior for two weeks. And we never planned to be in Beloit this long without returning to Tulsa for our furniture. We're still in temporary quarters uh, while our house is being painted and fixed and all of that. Um, so one of the neighbors brought us enough purple to cover our very large crucifix, but we have to go out and get more purple cloth. Um, <clears throat> And so many, even some of the women that come, have never experienced this before and find it so absolutely, truly beautiful to truly walk with our Lord. Dom Garanger continues, We cannot give any historical details upon the first of these two weeks. Its ceremonies and rites have always been the same as those of the four preceding ones. Hold on just a moment. Hold on one moment. Um, it would be out of place to enter here on a discussion with regard to the name um, Metadiana, under which title we find Passion Sunday mentioned both in ancient liturgies and in canon law. However, uh, Dom Garanger says, we therefore refer the reader to the following chapter in which we treat of the mysteries peculiar to Passion Tide and will talk about that later this week, dear ones. But the second week, on the contrary, that's Holy Week, which most Catholics are familiar with, furnishes us with abundant historical details, for there is no portion of the liturgical year which has interested the Christian world so much as this, or which has given rise to such fervent manifestations of piety. And I would venture just to add much more than Christmas, much more than Christmas. Um, Christmas is filled with shopping and decorating and celebrations, but not particular piety as this season is. This week, uh, this Passion Week, um, uh, was held, wait, I think he's talking about uh, Holy Week, 
was held in great veneration even as early as the 3rd century, as we learn from St. Denis, who was the Bishop of Alexandria, who lived at that time. In the following century, we find St. John Chrysostom um, calling it the Great Week. Not, says the Holy Doctor, that it has more days in it than other weeks, or that its days are made up of more hours than other days, but we call it great because of the great mysteries which are then celebrated. We find it called also by other names. It's called the painful week on account of the sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ and of the fatigue required from us in celebrating them. It's also called the week of indulgence because sinners are then received to penance. And lastly, it is called Holy Week, in allusion to the holiness of the mysteries which are commemorated during these seven days. This last name is the one under which it most generally goes with us. And the very days themselves are in many countries called by the same name, Holy Monday, Holy Tuesday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday. The severity of the Lenten fast is increased during these its last days. And the whole energy of the spirit of penance is now brought out. Now we as a community have refrained from wine and meat and um, um, oh, what am I, what am I forgetting? I'm so used to it that I'm I'm an old cheese, all of that during all of Lent, all of Lent. But during these two weeks, Passion Week, will refrain from more, more traditionally, what the Catholic world used to do, even meat products, milk and eggs and butter and all of that. And in addition to that, we have our individual penances that we've taken on. And this, we will live this these last two weeks. The severity of the Lenten fast is increased during these, its last days. The whole energy of the spirit of penance is now brought out. I'm going to suggest to you, dear ones, that if you have uh, failed in your Lenten reservation uh, um, uh, promises or intentions, if you have not kept up with them, don't throw it out the window. Don't say, I'll start next year. Pick it up these two last weeks, and you will honor our Lord walking with him in his last two weeks of passion to the cross. Um, and if you've kept your Lenten promises, you might consider taking on one additional one these last two weeks in walking with our Lord. Oh, dear. Oh, dear, oh, dear. The music always comes too soon. And there it is. So we will continue this, dearest, when we come back from the break. And you will be um, welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart. After our second break, we'll have a whole half hour to ourselves and our toll-free number is 1-877-511-5483 or you may email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day, and we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustain Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. Podcasts of our network-produced shows are free for your listening pleasure at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Be uplifted in your faith and inspired to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on our iCatholic Radio mobile app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved family. This is Mother Miriam Live, and this is our hour together this morning. And we are right in the middle of reading um, uh, the uh, message of uh, Dom Prosper Garanger from his liturgical year on the, um, the, la- the two weeks now, uh, Passion Tide, this week and next week, Holy Week, leading up to Easter. Um, let me just see um, where we left off. Here we are. Um, and I suggested that if you have not kept your Lenten promises or you failed in all that you wish to do, or even if you haven't, it would be good to go ahead and, and re-energize yourself these two weeks and either pick them up faithfully or you can even add something um, walking with our Lord to the cross for these two weeks called Passion Tide. Um, Dom Garanger continues that the severity of the Lenten fast is increased during these its last days. The whole energy of the spirit of penance is now brought out. <clears throat> Even with us, the dispensation which allows the use of eggs ceases during the middle of this week. So again, 
much of this has been lifted by the church. We have been robbed of our faith to a great degree. So many things have been relaxed or taken away altogether. I tell you, beloved, um, the more you look into the traditions of the church, especially if you go to a traditional mass, you will be introduced to them. But you don't even have to do that. Just go to um, online, you could find the liturgical year by Reverend Dom Prosper Garanger, and you could follow out. He was the abbot of Salem in the 1800s. You could follow the whole year. Uh, even if you're in the Novus Ordo, you could follow it. It's beautiful. And so it's, he says, even with us, the dispensation which allows the use of eggs, so you needed even a dispensation to have eggs, to have meat products, ceases during the middle of this week. <clears throat> the Eastern churches, faithful to their ancient traditions, have kept up a most rigorous abstinence ever since the Monday, Monday of Quinquagesima week, during the whole of this long period which they call xerophagia, they have been allowed nothing but dry food. In the early ages, fasting during Holy Week was carried to the utmost limits that human nature could endure. We learn from St. Epiphanius that there were some of the Christians who observed a strict fast from Monday morning to cockrow of Easter Sunday. Of course, it must have been very few of the faithful who could go so far as this. <clears throat> Many passed two, three, even four consecutive days without tasting any food at all. But the general practice was to fast from Monday, Thursday evening, that's Holy Thursday evening, to Easter morning. Many Christians in the East and in Russia observed this fast even in these times, Oh, dearest, shouldn't we Catholics do the same? Would that such severe penance were always accomplished, accompanied by a firm faith and union with the Church, out of which the merit of such penitential works is of no avail for salvation? You can do all that, but if you don't do it out of a firm faith and union with the Church, it counts nothing, it avails nothing. Another of the ancient practices of Holy Week were the long hours spent during the night in the churches on Monday, Thursday, that's Holy Thursday, after having celebrated the divine mysteries in remembrance of the Last Supper, the faithful continued a long time in, Saint, in, um, in prayer. The night between Friday and Saturday was spent in almost uninterrupted vigil in honor of our Lord's burial. But the longest of all these vigils was that of Saturday, which was kept up till Easter Sunday morning. The whole congregation joined in it. They assisted at the final preparation of the catechumens, as also at the administration of baptism. Nor did they leave the church until after the celebration of the holy sacrifice, which was not over until sunrise. Cessation from servile work was, for a long time, an obligation during Holy Week. Now listen to this, beloved. Since cessation, stopping, ceasing, from servile work was, for a long time, an obligation during Holy Week. The civil law, the civil law, can you imagine this today in our country, our evil 
country. Well, at least not evil country, but right now ruled by evil. The civil law united with that of the church in order to bring about this solemn rest from toil and business, which so eloquently expresses the state of mourning of the Christian world. The thought of the sufferings and death of Jesus was the one pervading thought. The divine offices and prayer were the sole occupation of the people, not just religious, but of the people. And indeed, all the strength of the body was needed for the support of the austerities of fasting and abstinence. We can readily understand what an impression was made upon men's minds during the whole of the rest of the year by this universal suspension of the ordinary routine of life. Moreover, when we call to mind how for five full weeks the severity of Lent had waged war on the sensual appetites, we can imagine the simple and honest joy wherewith was welcomed the Feast of Easter, which brought both the regeneration of the soul and respite to the body. In the preceding volume, we mentioned the laws of the Theodosian Code, which forbade, listen to this, beloved, we don't know anything of this in our society. We mentioned the laws of the Theodosian Code, which forbade all law business during the 40 days preceding Easter. Can you imagine? This is in the world. This is secular forbade all law, L-A-W, business, during the 40 days preceding Easter. This law of Gratian and Theodosius, which was published in the year 380, was extended by Theodosius in 389. This new decree forbade all pleadings during the seven days before and the seven days after Easter. We meet with several allusions to this recent law in the homilies of St. John Chrysostom and in the sermons of St. Augustine. In virtue of this degree, each of these 15 days was considered as far as the courts of law were concerned as a Sunday. We hardly celebrate, hardly celebrate the seven days before and after Easter. We hardly celebrate them. Holy Week, starting with uh, Palm Sunday, we hardly celebrate it. So I mentioned triduum to people. They don't know what I'm talking about. Tridium, the three days prior to Easter. Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday. They don't know what I'm talking about, even today. And then Easter week, every day of which is first-class feast. They don't even know what I'm speaking of. You go into Novus Ordo churches today, they're not even covered in purple. They don't know what's going on. The people are not taught their faith. It, it's so tragic. Listen to this, talking about the early church. Christian princes were not satisfied with the mere suspension of human justice during these days, which are so emphatically days of mercy. They would moreover pay homage by an external act to the fatherly goodness of God. These are secular attorneys, secular princes. 
would pay homage by an external act to the fatherly goodness of God who has deigned to pardon a guilty world through the merits of the death of his son. The church was on the point of giving reconciliation to repentant sinners who had broken the chains of sin whereby they were held captives. Christian princes were ambitious to imitate this. Christian princes were ambitious to imitate this, their mother, the church, and they ordered that prisoners should be loosened from their chains. Prisoners during this time should be loosened from their chains and that the prisons should be thrown open and that freedom should be restored to those who had fallen under the sentence of human tribunals. The only exception made was that of criminals whose freedom would have exposed their families or society to great danger. The name of Theodosius stands prominent in these acts of mercy. We are told by St. John Chrysostom that this emperor sent letters of pardon to the several cities ordering the release of prisoners and granting life to those that had been condemned to death. And all this in order to sanctify the days preceding the Easter feast. Doesn't it seem like we're living in an entirely different world, beloved? We indeed are. We have we are living in a world that has lost God. They have lost God. They've relegated whatever God means to those who foolishly believe in him. How insane. How poor. <clears throat> the last emperors made a law of this custom, as we find in one of St. Leo's sermons, when he thus speaks of their clemency, quote, the Roman emperors have long observed this holy practice in honor of our Lord's passion and resurrection. They humbly withhold the exercise of their sovereign justice and laying aside the severity of their laws, they grant pardon to a great number of criminals. Their intention in this is to imitate the divine goodness by their own exercise of clemency during these days when the world owes its salvation to the divine mercy. Can you imagine in our day... President Biden saying such a thing that we owe our salvation to the divine mercy. Let then the Christian people imitate their princes and let the example of kings induce subjects to forgive each other their private wrongs. For surely... It is absurd that private laws should be less unrelenting than those which are public. Let trespasses be forgiven. Let bonds be taken off. Let offenses be forgotten. Let revenge be stifled. That thus the sacred feast may, by both divine and human favors, find us all happy and innocent. End quote from St. Leo. Oh, what a fairy tale world that seems to be to us, and yet it was the world our Lord ordered. It's completely out the window today. We have little idea of what it means, even within Christianity, to live for God, to walk with Him. 
There's the music for our second break, dear ones. We'll be back right after the break, and we'll take your calls, your emails, and your texts. Call in with anything on your heart. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear ones, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm so, so thrilled to be with you. Um, I am going to take your calls and your emails um, and your text. I'm, I'm hesitating here because I had a little trouble signing in to see you, but I think I can now. Um, our toll uh, 1-877-511-5483 and our lines are wide open and the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. It never has to be our subject. It's what's on your heart. Anything at all, I cannot always, I don't have the answers to everything, but we have resources that we could send you to for them. So um, feel free again to call in one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three. And here I am, the beginning of each half hour, reminded to tell you <clears throat> of lifefunder.com. Um, uh, LifeSite News has been so incredibly gracious. Many of you know this. I think over 600 of you have contributed so far um, to a goal of 200,000. I think we have about a week left, and um, 
let me see where we're at. And to be part of this, uh, to pay for our new home, it's actually a little more than that. We did put an offer on a um, 6,000 square foot home that we could take in more women until we're able to build a monastery. And um, that's going to be a little while away. But, um, and so we are... Uh, having the house inspected tomorrow, and if everything goes through, we will continue with the purchase of it. Um, and so let me see where we are, are at, if I can. Um, no, can't. Not at the moment. Uh, let me try something else. Hold on. I know. You know what? I won't take up our time now. I'll look during the break to see what we're doing. But um, the last time I looked, I think we were... on the way to the $200,000 goal with a week left. So I I just wish I could hug all of you who have uh, contributed um, $10, $1,000, and everything in between. I just bless you. I bless you. I thank God for you, and I hug you, and um, uh, I read... I read your messages. I go on once a week. I haven't been on this week yet, and I read them. And it's just uh, truly, truly, truly heartening for me. So um, let me go then to our first email. And the email is mother at thestationofthecross.com. Um, and I'm going to go to our first email. Um, and, oh, we do have a call from Denise in Toronto. Hello, dear Denise. How are you this day? Oh, I'm good today. How are you, Mother? I'm good, too. I'm just trying to... Something went wrong with my computer. What else is new? So I'm trying to find my way here. But we've got you. We've got you. Go ahead, sweetheart. Thank you. Yeah, I was just calling because, um, you know, it seems that the church has accepted these vaccines that um, that contain... You know, the cells of aborted children, or the church has not. The church has not accepted them, Denise. The church will never accept abortion. It will never accept doing evil that good may come, regardless of the distance in time or 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 place between the evil and its supposed end. No, the church has not accepted that. People within the church have, whether they're priests okay. or bishops or anybody else, the church has not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, the, our, our bishop has allowed allowed us has said it's allowable to use the mm-hmm. to have the vaccines. Yeah. And um, my my question is this: I just I just think you know these children they they mm-hmm. without their consent they were gave their lives up so. Other people are possibly, I don't know, I mean, because I, I don't know. Well, they didn't give their lives up. They didn't them. give their, I, I They keep, were murdered uh, for them, right? That's the point. That's the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I just feel like, like we, we should be, you know, that's even worse. I mean, like, we, we should be, we should be commemorating them in some way. Yeah, that's you know? right. Doing like, penance you know, the church for such evil. should be saying. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I just sort of feel like, you know, thank you, or I don't, I don't know, thank you for being really murdered you, but I don't know, I just feel like it's being so brushed under the rug, like, oh yeah, well, you know, you, it, it we, th- these are the only options we have, and we have to use them, and, you know, too bad it was from, but I think that's not enough, I just sort of Well, it, it's not, number, and it's false, it's not the only options we have. 
um, mm-hmm. we never have an option to do evil before God. Never. Oh, we I agree never with have. you, Mother. I'm not taking yeah. the vaccine. And I'm oh, telling I know everyone you. I, you've called that. in before. I know perfectly, yeah. Denise. I know that. I'm just <laughs> saying it in a way yeah. that uh, people can't twist it. But um, no, I know uh, we should. Have, we've been praying for a, the end of abortion and for the murder of children for years and years and years and years. So yes, I think maybe um, our efforts to stop abortion should triple or quadruple and quadruple, and um, we should be um, uh, saying prayers uh, for. We can, of course, say prayers for the murdered children. Uh, they're in God's hands. We don't know what happens to them. Uh, we don't know. We only know that they were murdered. Um, and uh, the God of the whole earth will do what is perfect in his sight. That we do know. But they were they were butchered and murdered in their mother's wombs, assassinated. And so we need, we need yes, we can pray for them. We can pray for the souls of those mothers, um, all of that. I think we need to pray for the conversion of the whole world on this, Denise. If somebody were, you know, even the idea that we picket outside of an abortion clinic and pray the rosary, I don't put that down. It's a very good thing. However, um, if we knew that an adult was inside a, a shop on the street and they were being murdered, we wouldn't picket we would get into that building and save that soul. We would handcuff the murderer. We would barge through if we saw someone being murdered and save the person that was being murdered. But here, it's such a evil of our society, we walk back and forth praying the rosary, letting them be killed. I, we're, I'm not saying we're at fault for that, but that's how used we become mm-hmm. to evil. It's so terrible. Yeah. So I agree yeah. with you, Denise. We should be making greater sacrifices, greater repara- reparation, um, uh, praying, all of it. I, I agree. But greater sacrifices. Mm-hmm. I agree with you to get all together. Yeah, at least that's acknowledging them, like acknowledging that there are children that should have been here that that's right. are not big, you know. And I mean, that's, that really makes me mm-hmm. sick that, you know, I was telling my mom that one, that child, that, that one that the one whose cell was derived. I said, that child is as old as my youngest brother. Mm-hmm, I yeah. said, he would, that child would have been, you know, it just makes mm-hmm. you think. That, you know, it, that's right. It, and and it, mm-hmm. it does make, it, it makes us physically ill, Denise. God bless you for calling in with that point. Um, while while Thank many you. in the church are telling us it's a, a form of gratitude to take the vaccine, it is utterly evil utterly evil so we cannot do it and it's been proven that it's not a vaccine it's a pathogen thousands have been killed by it thousands have been injured by it deformed all of that it's just pure evil and it's still in a testing stage you don't vaccinate the whole world on on an experiment so it's it's the whole thing is evil denise god bless you my dear one god bless you sweetheart thank you and have a good day you too, honey. Uh, Rosa from California. Hello, Rosa. Hi, Mother Miriam. How are you doing? How, well, I'm okay. How are you doing out there? 
I'm doing okay. Good. Listen, I always call in with something, and then I hear something from the caller, and it just so happened, which I do not think is a coincidence, I have, from Denise, who just called, I have this beautiful um, card that I have up in my window of um, the Our Lady Guadalupe, and mm-hmm. she's lifting up I, I, a baby. A child. And then mm-hmm. she looks a child, yes, and then she's looking at all the other little children, and I have yeah. never really looked at the back, you know, because I love Our Lady Guadalupe, and today it says Our Lady Guadalupe Intercession of the Unborn, however, right. it was supposedly, if you want, I can read this, it's real short, but it just says to, to help stop the anti-life push in the world, the late Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen encouraged the spiritual adoption of an unborn child. There you this go. is done by praying that one particular but unknown child's life be spared abortion and allowed to continue to live. To help Good. accomplish this, it was recommended an individual say the following daily prayer for a period of nine months. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, I love you very much. I beg you to spare the life of the unborn baby that I have spiritually adopted who is in danger of abortion. The name I wish to give my baby is, and then there's a blank, during our earthly life, the spiritually adopted child of yours will be known only to God, but in the world to come, it is hoped that you will meet um, that you will meet the souls mm. your prayers saved and spend eternal happiness How beautiful with them. is that? Yes. And this Rosa, is, uh, that this, is so beautiful. Yeah. And Denise, if you're still listening, your your plea is for babies that have been murdered. And this is something else that we can do. I bless you for reading that, Rosa, to babies yes. that would be murdered, but for yes. our spiritual adoption of them. Outstanding. Yes. <clears throat> and I also actually absolutely align and um, agree with Denise and everything you said to her. Of course. And, and our, lady, our, our Lady of Guadalupe is the Lady of our Order. We love her. Ah, okay. <clears throat> yes. Um, that brings one other point that, I, that hit me this morning. It's been hitting me for a while. Um, and this is not why I called. I called about St. Joseph. But um, it, it keeps hitting me, and it hit me even before I was reconverted into the Catholic Church. How girls have been or females that start in the womb as female have been um, systematically for decades taken away from their own bodies, handing them over to medicine, etc. But then it connected to me, if we do believe that this is principalities, you know, that we're fighting it's principalities, um, that it says, and I might be wrong, correct me, it says it is Our Lady the woman who will crush the head. And it hit me this morning, the head of Satan. Right. And it hit me this morning, like we are literally in an accelerated um, motion of almost like a revisit of the evil that was, that was in King Herod. You know, it was like, we're going to... It's worse out. today. It's worse today. Yeah. But we <clears throat> focus so... And I'm not saying but, we should focus all on you know, Christianity, Christ, and, and the church. But if we look at it and think what's the underpinning is getting a rid of either every female, gen- female human who might end up creating a good family and retaking back the earth, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's just something about, 
And then even with some of the gender stuff that is permanent people are doing to children, you know, it's like we're, we're getting rid of people who can have babies. We are making people confused. We're separating them from... from and I'll go further, married. I'll go further, Rosa. In the last, um, I don't know how many years, 20, 30, 50, the children's films, all the animated films, I have realized, uh, Tarzan, uh, Lion King... Uh, all of them. The baby is raised by a village. There's no mother. And everybody That's feels true. sorry yeah. for that little baby, but there's no mother. That's not by accident. That is a deliberate plan. Rosa, sweetheart, ask your question on St. Joseph when we come back. We need to go to this break. Um, we'll be Thank right you. back, beloved. Call in with anything on your heart. Toll free one 877 5115483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. We'll be right back. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. The Station of the Cross appreciates the generosity of our supporters. We are committed to keeping our donors' accounts up to date. If there have been changes made to your payment information, please call us so that we can update your account. 1-877-888-6279, extension 104. Or update your information online at thestationofthecross.com. Thank you for your generous support of Catholic Radio. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. Our lines are wide open. We have Rosa with us from California. And if you'd like to call in with anything on your heart, it's toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Dearest Rosa, thanks for holding on. Uh, go ahead with your question, St. Joseph. <laughs> okay. So, um, St. Joseph, um, obviously, you know, we're learning more, but we don't know a lot specifically. Yeah. But what's been hitting me a lot is something that happened to me before the Pope came out with St. Joseph in this little church. I'm out of state right now. The little church had this little side altar, and there's this big St. Joseph. It's absolutely gorgeous. And as I and the infant of Prague, and I always go to the infant of Prague, and then I went to St. Joseph because it was hitting at that point. Every single man in my life, and except maybe my father, but even my father a little bit, and every man of every woman, young and old, not every, there are some really good faithful men. They are very much in the the minority. And I mean faithful and strong in the God sense. Rosa, you dear one, I want to leave room for others. You you bring in the greatest backgrounds to your question, but you need to ask the question. Yes, so for women... Young, old, I don't care, but I hear a lot of them in their 60s that are calling you, who have been used up, used, abused, and abandoned. Mm -hmm. They need St. Joseph. They need him to be the man that guides their life, their family. Give us some thoughts about that. Okay. And and especially bringing in your, your experience with the prisoners. Oh, my. Um, I tell you what, um, I'll take up the rest of the program if I do that, but let me recommend uh, the best book ever, and it's Consecration to St. Joseph. Are you aware of it, Rosa? By oh, Father, yes, definitely, definitely. Father Donald Calloway. Um, uh, he's a priest of the... Um, uh, Oh, missionaries of the Immaculate Conception. I, I'm, I'm sure I'm not getting the uh, the, the full name right. Um, right. And it, it was Saint John of the Cross who Saint John of the Cross. He's got a quote right on top here. I did. Who said I did not understand Saint Joseph well enough? But that will change. And Father Donald Calloway, C A L L O W A Y, for all of you, has written maybe on the, the best current book on consecration to saint joseph out you can get it just online you can get it um, on father calloway's website you can get it on uh, any book site any bookstore Uh, i recommend uh, that especially since the holy father has made this the year of saint joseph that everybody get that book and read it and in fact Father Donald Calloway's book was personally handed to to Pope Francis, and it is uh, pretty strongly thought that it was based on that writing that Pope Francis made this year, the year of St. Joseph. So um, he is greatly needed. There's so much to know about him, and I recommend that everybody get that book and make that consecration. Our Lady, if you've made the consecration to Jesus through Mary, Mary would love you to make that consecration to her earthly spouse. Thank you. That That is awesome. And just to add the... Um, it's not for men only. A lot of women oh, that I'm in contact with 
feel that it's this is about the men learning how to be good fathers, but but then they still feel marginalized in their own hearts and minds. So this mm-hmm. is, this is to say, I'm going to be your child of the Holy Family. I want Saint Joseph to be my father, That's my protector, it. my guide, mm-hmm. and a man who is in my life to be my protector, my guide, and lead me through my deserts. Yeah, this is not simply for men. This is for every single soul. And the suggestion is families to read this through together and make the consecration together, including children. Thank you, Mother Mary. Okay, my friend. God, God bless you, Rosa. Thank you. I'm going to take an email from Jolene who says, My niece, who is not Catholic, had an abortion several years ago because the doctor told her and her husband that the child would be crippled, deformed, with multiple other health issues. Oh, that breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. If uh, they chose to abort the baby, she did not know she was committing a mortal sin. And I do not know if this has weighed on her conscience or not. My understanding is that if she and her husband do not repent of this sin, they cannot go to heaven, nor can their lives be blessed here on earth with this mortal sin in their marriage. Please advise. Thank you. Jolene, it's not so, my dear. It is a grave sin, and one of the three ingredients, so to speak, for mortal sin is that it be very serious, grave, and this indeed was. But it it must be that the person knows that it will be mortal, that it will separate them from God, um, and do it of their own free will, not drug, not under fear. And so it has to be grave. They need to know it's grave, and they are, by doing that act, separating themselves from God, and again, uh, be uh, free to do it of their own free will. So that was not the case here. You say that your niece did not know she was committing a mortal sin. It wasn't mortal for her. Mortal means death. It was just as grave, just as sinful, but it was not mortal. It was not death to her soul if she didn't know that. If she is Catholic, um, you can show her now that abortion is indeed a grave, grave sin, one that separates you from the life of God, and explain to her that now that she knows the truth, again, if she's Catholic, she can go back, go to confession, and uh, confess that sin and be forgiven for it. No question about it. But um, again, if we commit mortal sin and we're not Catholic or we don't know it's mortal, if we're Catholic, we're going to be held somewhat accountable because we should know our faith. We're responsible for knowing our faith. But again, in your niece's situation, you said she did not know. So for her, it was grave, but not mortal. Um, So I would... Uh, help her as much as you can that way. We have an email from somebody who writes in anonymously and says, um, Hello, Mother Miriam, without divulging too much background and possibly identifying myself to any of your listeners, can you please provide some insight regarding what the true Catholic Church believes? Sweetheart, there's only one Catholic Church. It's the true Catholic Church. Anything that deviates from that can call itself Catholic, but it's not. Uh, regarding what the true Catholic Church believes and provides as options for reconciliation to God, for divorce, 
remarried Catholics. If two Catholics are together as married out of the church, but one Catholic is working on an annulment, but the two are living chaste, are they able to receive communion or not? If yes, is this allowed only after the situation is confessed and a vow of continued chastity is verbalized to a priest? I've been told and heard by some priests that no communion is available due to scandal. Others say, yes, communion is available if the two live chaste until the annulment or remarriage. It depends on the situation. Um, You must live as brother and sister. There's absolutely no question about that. And yes, you each must go and confess your situation. Uh, Absolutely confess your situation. And if one is working on annulment, you you both need to confess the sin of adultery. You must confess it. And then you can live together as brother and sister until and if the annulment comes through and you're properly married in the church. However, if people know of your sin, then you should separate. So you are not a cause for scandal. If they don't know and you're living chaste before God, you're fine. But if it is a, it truly a scandal because people know that you're living in an adulterous situation, then you need to separate and live separately, continue living chastely until it's cleared up, and then you can come together. Uh, That's the end of our program, dearest. Uh, God bless you, and we'll speak with you tomorrow.